0: Good morning everybody, Nikki Burnett here, Taste Life Nutrition Radio, streaming live on KUHSDenver.com, where we are, are, the goal is to bring you as much goodness and truth uh, as far as um, the science is concerned with health and wellness, which of course, as we know, is, um, it's physical, it's mental, it's emotional, it's spiritual, it's financial, and the goal, we really want to do our best to help you and me, right, <laughs> live the best life we possibly can. I think it's it's important to uh, to to live well, because when we live well, then we can share well, and we can serve well, and uh, that's what I love. That's what I love about what I do. It's what I love about this show, um, because I have the um, Ability to bring to you what I believe is is great information Uh, Most of the time I have a guest and my guests are amazing But sometimes it's just me and I like it when it's just me because then I can talk about some things that um, Like I said last week that are just you know sitting on my heart that I think are important to get out there that we can uh, that we can discuss and hopefully uh, give a little bit of guidance and I'm also here. Uh, I can see you both on, you know, my Instagram as well as my Facebook. Uh, so would love to. If you have questions, feel free to ask questions, uh, make comments. Let me know if you have any thoughts or any concerns or anything that we can talk about um, that that can be beneficial for you. Um, I am. Here in this role and in this life as um, a servant, and I want to do my very best to give my best um, and then give you all the the good information that I can possibly give you. So here we go. Um, but as always, we start the we start the show with gratitude. Um, and I am uh, I am I think I'm going to say kind of the same thing I said last week, but maybe a little bit different. So as uh, many of you already know, I have launched a program called Soulful Conception. Uh, I've been talking a lot about preconception care over, I don't know, the last year or so, um, because it is one of the most impactful things that we can do as far as I'm concerned. Um, Preconception care can impact um, the individual, but it can also impact the baby and it can also impact generations, um, and we are in a situation <laughs> where uh, we have a lot of really sick people, uh, sick in a lot of different ways, whether it's physical, mental, emotional. Um, why is that? It's, you know, there's a lot of fear going around right now. There's a lot of confusion, um, and if we take it back to basics, there's a lot of confusion just even what's, what's around health, what, what is health? Um, And what is not healthy, you know food food one of the basic the most basic things that we can that that we Deal with ingest live with on a daily basis multiple times a day There's a lot of confusion about what is actually good healthy food, right? Um, We have you know, we're confused about even water what water is healthy, you know, (laughs) and the fact that most of our water isn't healthy uh, is a problem. We have, we've got water that comes to us through our homes that is still full of toxic chemicals and parasites and it's really, um, you know, it's, it's on us as individuals to to do, to understand what it is that, that we're ingesting um, and, then, and then do what we can do to mitigate the, the, the toxic load that we experience on a daily basis, which is just part of life. So, filtering our water with a good filter is very important. Um, so, I kind of got off track. Gratitude. What I'm grateful for is the fact that we have launched Soulful Conception and we have uh, a group who's going through the program as we speak. And um, it is a, a a program where, of course, I am doing the leading uh, and the facilitating and and some of the educating, but I'm also bringing in practitioners, many whom uh, you've seen here at the show, who have um, who have this amazing gift to give when it comes to uh, uh, allowing women to to well, women and men, right, to do their Best at being healthy in a very holistic manner and when I say holistic I'm talking about physical health but but as I like I said at the beginning of the show what I'm always talking about is it's spiritual health it's relational health it is mental and emotional and financial right there can be a lot of stressors with all of these things and we want to decrease the stress as much as we possibly can because what we want is to um We we want, you know, stre- stress just creates inflammation. We want to decrease stress, decrease inflammation. We want to address any kind of conditions that we might be uh, dealing with in order to have the healthiest pregnancy and baby as possible. And truly it affects generations to come. So I'm grateful for those who have joined me on this um this sort of new journey of mine, um, but it's not just mine, right? This is something that is, uh, it, my, my hope is that it is impactful for many, many people and many generations. Um, it's a big statement, but you know, here it is. Uh, it, you know, that is my goal, it's my hope. Um, I believe it is uh, what has been given to me as my role in life, and so, um, you know, I, I hope it's my word of the year's impact, and so my hope is that um, I and then all those who are on my team can can impact as many people as possible because oh, that only means we're impacting generations. And it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool stuff, so I'm excited about that. So uh, grateful for those who are with me. Know that if Soulful Conception is something that you're interested in or if you have uh, family members or friends who are interested in it, that this is something that is open to join at any point, whenever the time is right for you. There's no, you know, we had a launch phase, right? But it, it's just because it was ready. So it's ready for anybody who's ready to jump in at any point. I also want you to know that that we want to make sure that men are included in this program to the degree that they want to be, um, which I hope is, right or at least you know 50 50 Um, And so when it comes to a program like this I am encouraging the the spouses the partners to join in on The on this journey, so I want them to be a part of this we will talk um, a lot we'll we'll talk some about male health male health and fertility because it's very very important I do realize that this is mostly speaks to women, and it is mostly for women, but I want this to be a partnership, and I want men to be involved, and I want men to join in on the group sessions and to, to, to play their role, because they play a huge role in the health of the baby, and of course in the health of ch- future generations. So um, always feel free to reach out, ask me questions. Um, this is... Uh, you know, Again, it's just something that comes from the heart. I'm super excited about it. But today, wh- what I really want to talk about is I want to talk about conditions that have an impact on conception. And when I say that, yes, there is, there are specific conditions that affect conception. Um, but these conditions also affect life. It, they, they can affect people who aren't trying to get pregnant. So, you know, I am sort of gearing the, this hour around fertility and conception, but it really is for everyone. Um, you know, now understandably men don't get, you know, polycystic ovarian syndrome, <laughs> but um, but there are, you know, other autoimmune conditions and things that can happen that can affect um, male uh, sperm counts and fertility and, and motility and, and all of these different things. So we'll talk about some of those, although today though we'll be mostly geared around women Women's health, women's conditions, and uh, women's in the conditions that can that, that affect conception. Um, so, and we'll also talk about labs. Um, I'm a nerd and I love to talk about labs, but labs are important. Uh, labs are really important in helping us understand the body, how the body's functioning, why it's functioning as it is. And labs go deeper than what you would typically have run. You know, it's deeper than a comprehensive metabolic panel and CBC that you typically will run. The ones that I run are much more comprehensive, Um, and it also goes deeper than just having blood hormones checked, or or, I'm sorry, serum hormones checked. So, um, there are a number of conditions that uh, we most of us know about, right? We know that you know a lot of women deal with things like PCOS, endometriosis, uh, fibroids. Um, all of these things, you know, infections. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Um, autoimmune conditions, right? So these are kind of the sort of the main ones, and we're not going to dig super deep into these. But I do have, hey Missy, I do have um, people who ask me on a regular basis, does PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome does that affect fertility? Yeah, sure. But it also affects. It can affect um, your lifestyle. It can affect your periods. It can affect you know everything about you because it can be painful. And so PCOS is one of the most common um, disorders as far as you know hormonal disorders for women. Um, and it's interesting to me too because when I look, you know, I, I try to do well. I do <laughs> some you know research prior to coming on the show. And a lot of these conditions. Um, in my research shows when it comes to when when I get the information from sort of your your mainstream sources, right? A lot of them will say we don't know why this happens, which I think is a joke because we do know why these things happen. These things happen due to environmental factors and due, due to stress, due to food, uh, if, you know, due to nutrient deficiencies, due to heavy metals, due to mycotoxin exposure due to EMFs in the in, in our environment. So we you know, we may not be able to pinpoint, but there are all of these factors and different factors affect different people in different ways, right? That's why we're all unique and why we all need to understand when it comes to dealing with our own conditions and situations, we've got it we've got to learn. We've got to understand our body, which again goes back to why lab testing is is so uh um, crucial to understanding your body. The best way for me to explain, to, to talk about lab testing is this is a way that your body's talking to us. You know, so you hear me say all the time, right, that um, our body is constantly trying to tell us what's going on. So if, if it's not talking to us, we're not feeling anything, right, which is sometimes what we want. But if we have a pain, if we have a heartburn, if we have, um, you know, whatever the you know, the 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 bloating or the brain fog or you know whatever the case may be, you name it, or maybe it's a whole cluster of symptoms, which is what we call a disease, right, or dis-ease. So we have these these all of these things, situations, symptoms. That's the body telling us, you got something up, and I can't do this by myself anymore. You know the body works really well on its own for a while um, but it will start to break down and so that's that you know so often what we end up doing is if we have this pain or we have this situation or this symptom is we we go we take a pill or we cover it up right we can cover it up with alcohol we can cover it up with ibuprofen we can cover cover it up with PPIs right we can cover cover it up with all kinds of things but what's happening is that's all we're doing is we're covering it up, um, and so if we're looking at and I, wow, I totally get off track, but that's okay because it's all super important, and it's the the baseline to understanding any condition is your situation is unique, even even though you may have the the label, which I hate labels. I mean, but that's kind of what it, you know. If we have a diagnosis, right? We tend to. Take it as a label. Um, but the diagnosis of something like polycystic ovarian syndrome, we have to take a step back, and all these things we're going to talk about, but we have to take a step back and say, why did this happen? And it's not the, an- the answer that we get so often is, well, I don't know, it just happens. And that's what we get a lot from allopathic medicine is, well, we don't know why these things happen, it just happens. Or, holy smokes, it's a surprise. You know, it's not a surprise, right? There are things that that we have control over that allow or don't allow for things to happen. Um, so PCOS has a lot to do with hormonal dysfunction. It has a lot to do with blood sugar levels. And so if our if if we're eating, um, if we have a lot of stress, stress will will raise blood glucose levels. Um, obviously, high sugar diet will raise blood glucose levels. And a high sugar diet is not just sugar, right? Um, although it plays a huge role, but it's also the, the pasta and the bread and um, the food that creates more inflammation, which creates more stress, which is gonna create more blood sugar or blood glucose elevation. Um, and so we want to, to I mean, PCO, PCOS can go along with uh, like prediabetes um, or even diabetes, they can go hand in hand. And so it's it's a um, it's a situation where because we have the stress and we have the sh- the high glucose levels that it also then increases our androgen levels, which is our testosterone and androstenedione and and these these, these more male mm. hormones, but that women have as well, right? We have it's important for us to have good healthy testosterone levels, right? It's what what pushes our sex drive. We have to have a good sex drive. Um, it's what uh, you know, pushes our muscle tone um, and things like that. But, we, but once it gets, once for women it becomes too high, we start to see like hair on our chin, hair on our breasts. We'll see hair um, you know, on our neck. We'll see pimples. Uh, we might experience hair loss, right? Uh, hair loss on your head. It's not fun when you're losing hair on your head and gaining hair on your chest and your chin. (laughs) It's not a good day, but it happens. And so what can we do about this? Well, we can modify our diet. We can modify our stress levels. We can look at what we're putting in our mouth. We can look at what we're putting on our skin. Um, All of these factors are really, really important in, um, in allowing hormones to balance. Sometimes, We've gotta have supplementation. And and honestly, I would say anybody I'm working with, if they've got PCOS or dealing with any of these conditions, there's gonna be supplementation. We have to have supplementation because um, it is, especially if we want quicker results, right? Supplementation allows for quicker balance, quicker results, and sometimes food just can't do it for us, um, which is unfortunate. And maybe it can, and it's gonna take longer. So we, we, can, we can certainly change lifestyle, we can change food hab- habits, we can change what we're putting on in, in our body, um, but we also, we, we, if we want to be supportive of the endocrine system, the endocrine system is what produces hormones, right? Horm- hormones are little communicators, right? They, they talk back and forth to each other and, and to our body and tell the body what to do. And so we want to support the endocrine system um, and by doing that, we are decreasing inflammation, and we are balancing hormones, and sometimes it's just easiest to do it with supplementation. Um, so PCOS is manageable, and it also can impact conception. And so we want to, if, if you're dealing with something like that, take a step back and look at your diet, look at your lifestyle. Um, understand, wh- um, you know, I would say too, Um, that doing a good hormone test. So if we were to talk about labs right now, I think that that's, that's, there are a couple of really good ones when we're looking at PCOS. Um, We can look at serum hormone levels, and usually we're looking at, um, what are we looking at? We're looking at estrogen. Usually it's just one estrogen. We're looking potentially at progesterone. We might be looking at FSH, which is follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone, or LH. You know, those are some of the things we'll look at um, when we're looking at blood serum levels. When, which are important, right? Especially if we're looking at uh, fertility and conception and, and holding on to a pregnancy and that kind of thing. We want to know those, we want to know the serum levels. Um, the test that I tend to run uh, alongside with that is when I'm looking at uh, preconception planning is gonna be one that's called cycle mapping. Um, and then one that uh, looks at all all of the other hormones and it's a urine hormone test and so they call it a dried urine hormone test and so cycle mapping actually is uh, very specific to women where you pee on a little piece of paper throughout the month and you can see where your cycle literally is throughout the entire month and so if you're ovulating early if you're ovulating late um, if you're not ovulating at all, uh, if you have a very long cycle, it can really help us to understand and to pinpoint uh, when uh, You know, w- you know, if we need to, to, to balance hormones when to have sex, you know, all of these things now There are some there are some really cool tests that can be super um, uh, Super targeted on when you should be having sex. And so this is not that this gives us just a good Really pretty view of what your cycle looks like throughout the month, and so, you know, we have a lot of women who deal with really serious PMS symptoms, and so this can help with that as well. Um, help us to understand why and what's going on, where where the imbalances are, so we can um, allow for um, allow allow for balance in you know balancing the hormones. So. Then beyond that, the dried urine hormone test is a sample in one day. So it's usually days 19 to 22 that you will get these, this really big picture of other hormones. So the other hormones include your androgens. So um, like I said a little while ago, it's your um, DHEA, DHEAS, your testosterone, your um, androstenedione, Um, there are a few two or three other ones. Um, But then it also looks at your three estrogens, two progesterones, um, also then goes down. So I'm going down because it shows you in pathways, um, like your biochemical pathways is the way it's laid out on the lab report. So it's pretty cool stuff, uh, the way it's laid out because pathways are moved forward by enzymes. And if enzymes aren't working properly, if you have certain epigenetic variants that don't allow for enzymes to work properly or nutrient deficiencies that don't allow enzymes to work properly, then things don't move down the biochemical pathways as they're supposed to. So we can look at where there might be um, hiccups in these biochemical pathways. And so we can look at things like methylation. So methylation is a, um, it's a process by by which genes are expressed. And it happens in every cell in the body. It also happens in detoxification. So hormones have to be detoxified in a um, specific manner uh, via the liver, right? And so we can look and see if you're not methylating well or if you're over-methylating. We can look and see if your um, estrogens are not being eliminated properly due to you know whatever you know, uh, detoxification factors may be inhibited. So um, it's, it's really great in looking specifically at hormones. Now methylation affects all kinds of things Detoxification we have to have detoxification for things more than just hormones, but this test is specific to, to methylation of, of hormones and detoxification of hormones and so forth so um, It also though then will look at Specific nutrients that play a role in Detoxification of hormones um, as well as neurotransmitters and neurotransmitters are our um Our little messengers that that help us to focus or help us to be happy right and a lot of that's um, uh, Created in the gut which is then we'll get to this a little bit But super important to have a good healthy gut because then if you'll you'll you know, the hope is you have good healthy neurotransmitter uh, uh, Function which helps us to do the things that we need to do in life, right? We need to focus we need to be happy um, we need to have good healthy emotions, um, and we need to be motivated, right? So that's what neurotransmitters do. So anyway, um, at that we can, look at, we can look at these neurotransmitters, we can also at, look at oxidative stress. Oxidative stress is super important. We can see in this test if there is a pathway that estrogen is going down, and I'm kind of backing up a little bit, but a pathway that estrogen is going down where it can potentially be uh, damaging to DNA which is, you know, can cause cancer, right? We can also look, at, you know, if we have oxidative stress, oxidative stress is what has the potential of also causing cancer. Um, it creates mitochondrial dysfunction. Mitochondrial, mitochondria is, you know, basically how we operate. We have mitochondria, hundreds of thousands of mitochondria probably in every, every cell, every tissue in our body. There are little energy um, uh, creators, and so we have to have good, healthy, Mitochondrial function for everything to function properly. So, um, we can also then look at the adrenal glands. And so, we talk about stress, we talk about how stress can impact fertility, we talk about how stress can impact life, and how stress, in and of itself, is the most common factor in disease creation. Take that to heart, right? I mean, we may be as healthy as we can possibly be, we're eating well, but if we have massive amounts of stress, we still break down, we still get sick. Um, our brain still shrinks, right? So taking the, looking looking at our adrenal glands, how they're functioning, looking at cortisol and cortisone, um, and how they're playing a role, and if you have your, uh, there's, a, there's a, a specific curve that we're looking for with your cortisol levels, and if it is, in line, if it's the way that it's supposed to be, then, you know, things are functioning well. But if you've got it, if you've got a super spiky cortisol, um, then that's, that's, that's a big problem. And then if you if it's all tanked, right, if you just have a straight line down at the bottom, then your adrenals aren't functioning, functioning well at all Then we see fatigue and uh, depression and you can't get up off the couch and it's hard to move in life. And this happens, it happens a lot. Um, and so this is a this this dry hormone urine test is a really <coughs> excuse me cool big big test. It gives us tons of information. And we have the the capability of running I don't know hundreds maybe of these really cool functional lab tests, but there are these certain few that I like to run on a regular basis. Because they are big and they give us a lot of information, and then they can point us into other directions. Right, so we can see, okay, this is what's happening. Maybe we need to now go look at mycotoxin, mycotoxin exposure. Now maybe we need to go look at um, uh, you know heavy metal exposures or infection. Right, whatever the case may be. So uh, that's the great thing about these tests, and we'll get into some more of those here in just a little bit. But um, let's move on to let's move on to endometriosis. The interesting thing with endometriosis is it's another one that they say, we don't know how this happens, but it seems to be associated with autoimmune disease. Well, one of the first things that I learned in nutrition school was endo- endometriosis is an autoimmune disease. So it seems that, that you know there are some that don't really fully, you know, it probably doesn't follow along the, the same lines as what a typical autoimmune disease is because endometriosis is excessive tissue growth, right? Um, it, it, it lines the uterus but then it goes outside of the uterus. We have found uterine tissue, not me but you know the scientists, the doctors, but have found it in brain tissue in you know sitting on lungs and liver and on the colon. it is so interesting the way that this, this endometriosis, this tissue um, has the ability to migrate. so interesting. So how does this happen? Not really sure, but um, in my understanding and in my training, it is considered an autoimmune condition. It also is associated a lot with lupus, with Hashimoto's with um, there are one or two other ones. Did I wonder if I wrote it down here? Um, anyway, doesn't really matter, but you know there are however many hundreds of autoimmune conditions out there but the point to this is with one autoimmune condition, or when we have one autoimmune condition, it increases our chances exponentially of having multiple autoimmune conditions. Hormones can play a huge role in autoimmune conditions and the, the increase in them. So what we see a lot is um, as we move into um, menopause, you know, our horm- hormones are changing. If we have an autoimmune condition going into menopause, we can, it it tends to increase the chances during that time that more of them pop up. Super interesting stuff. So, um, endometriosis is one that certainly can create a lot of pain. Um, My mom had it, she uh, had surgery to have it all removed. So, you know, I know that for me, epigenetically, I have the potential for autoimmune disease, I have the potential for celiac disease, it's all over my family, Um, but the cool thing is Autoimmune disease in most cases, we have the potential, we have the ability of decreasing the likelihood that it will express. Because why? Epigenetics means we have the control over what we put, uh, over how our genes express in large part. So we have control over what we put into our mouths, we have control over what we put in uh, on our bodies, um, what we wash our hair with, what we clean our clothes with, what we put in our yards. Um, right, so avoiding the toxic exposures of pesticides, herbicides, um, uh, the endocrine disruptors in our, in our food and in our, our body care products and in our laundry care. If you smell your clothes all day long and you smell your sheets all night long, this is a problem. Unless you have really great, strong essential oils, which I've not <laughs> come across yet. Um, so, it, it, in most cases, this, these really big smells—the things that you put in your, um, uh, 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 like to smell your, to, for your house, right? And you plug them in. These plugins that you put in um, are incredibly toxic. So, I know that there are some now that are that are natural. So, do your research. Go to EWG.org, EnvironmentalWorkingGroup.org, if you want to find out the things that are to be healthier to make your house smell better sometimes we need that I totally get it I personally get like orange oil you can get huge bottles of orange oil They're food grade orange oil to clean your house with and to put in your laundry and to put on your clothes and that kind of thing so you know keep that in mind there are lots of things that we can do to mitigate these these endocrine disruptors that are in our environment some of them we can't we can only control so much but we can control a lot of this stuff right we can there's so much that we can do Um, so moving on to, uh, uh, yeah, I think we'll move on to ovarian cysts, um, which can be a problem. You know, they're these fluid filled sacs that, um, I believe that, uh, let's see, it's the, the, the ovarian cysts and fibroids. I believe they have a lot to do with um, elevated estrogen levels. Um, and I, I think uh, environmental factors, again, you know, um, it, when, you know, as I was just talking about, when we're talking about ele- elevated, lester- sorry, when we're talking about endocrine disruptors, um, you hear me say this a lot, but endocr- endocrine disruptors, what they do, they're these toxins that, that mimic estrogens, right, so they're called xenoestrogens, they may be called metalloestrogens. Um, so they, they mimic um, estrogen. So they bind really tightly to our estrogen receptor sites on all of our cells in our body, men and women and children, right? And it doesn't allow for our own natural estrogen to do its job. So we have these elevated estrogen levels, um, and we have our own, then our own estrogen levels that are running around going, "I don't have a job, I don't know what to do." So we've got, uh, you know, these crazy, um, hormonal symptoms that we can't figure out what they are. And so I believe that those two things um, the, uh, the The cysts and the fibroids have a lot to do with that. They can be painful. They can be damaging to the ovaries They certainly can interfere with uh, conce- conception and fertility so, um, you know it, I Have often heard and experienced clients who have reversed these conditions on their own, through diet, through lifestyle modification, through understanding where hormones are, through understanding where their body is, how it's functioning, um, based on labs. Right? This is this is how we know this stuff is is based on labs. One of the things that that I found interesting in here is um, you know one of the sites that I went to you know talked about infections, and I thought it was interesting because really all it talked about, as far as infections are concerned, is gonorrhea and chlamydia and syphilis and these you know pretty nasty viruses that can that can or infections right that can interfere with fertility but there are lots and lots and lots of infections out there um that can interfere with fertility and interfere with life right so if we are dealing with a parasitic infection if we have um, dysbiosis so dysbiosis is an imbalance of our good, healthy, natural gut bacteria. Um, our bodies are little carriers, or big carriers of millions and millions and millions and trillions of bugs, right? That's really really all our bodies do, is they just carry all of these bugs around. And we want them to be friendly bugs, and sometimes they're not. Um, what can happen is um, if, if we have an imbalance, imbalances can be due to toxicants, it can be due to antibiotics, don't take antibiotics unless you have to. There's always a time and a pl- not always, there are often, there's often a time and a place to take antibiotics. Um, and if you've taken them a lot in your lifetime, probably there's, you know, there's, there's what, you know, one of my questions on my intake, sorry, I'm skipping around a bit, but on one of my questions on my intake is, did you take a lot of antibiotics as a child? More than less, more, more or less than five times. And so there's something to that, right? If you took it more than five times throughout your childhood, um, it, it, your, the, the likelihood that you're dysbiotic is pretty high, right? So you've got, you've got bugs in your mouth and in your gut and, in, you know, for women and our, our, our vagina and all of these things that are really important to, to maintaining balance. When we don't maintain balance, what can happen is our good, healthy bugs, some of them can become opportunistic. So we call them opportunistic bugs, right? So they can then become pathogenic. Whereas then we also have bacteria and parasites and things that are already pathogenic that just shouldn't be there at all. So um, we want to do things like a GI panel to understand the, the 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 health of our gut because if we are if we do have an unhealthy gut, we may not present as gut pain, right? It can present as brain fog, it can present as uh, you know, cognitively not functioning properly. Um, it can present as knee pain, right? And so just because you know, even, even though you don't know you have gut pain, you can have, still have an unhealthy gut. And so knowing this is key because if it is unhealthy, that creates stress or it creates inflammation, which creates more stress, which the body is going to focus on these things and not going to focus on trying to have a kiddo. So it's not going to sit there and say okay, I'm ready to, to carry kids while I'm still trying to fight this infection. So these infections can create these, you know, this sort of, um, I, I see it in my mind's eye as this, you know, little, just sort of this little fire, just this little tiny little ground fire, but that cre- it has the potential of creating a lot of damage um, and a lot of stress on the body. So the, the, the beautiful thing about a GI test Nobody likes to do it, right? It's you got to go poop in a in a in a little paper plate, right? <laughs> it's not fun at all. <laughs> but it's not difficult and it can give us so much amazing information. It's really really fascinating. So we have the ability when we're looking at a GI panel, we're looking at pancreatic f- function. We're looking at gallbladder function. Hopefully you still have one. Lots and lots of people don't. Um, uh, but we can still understand, you know, uh, you know, what we what we might need to do if you don't have a gallbladder any longer. We can look at enzyme uh, enzymatic activity. We can look at um, uh, inflammatory markers. We can look at uh, the potential for leaky gut and the potential for uh, gluten sensitivity. Now I will say that this particular test, although big and beautiful as it is, it's not a, Targeted gluten sensitivity test. It's a very general gluten sensitivity test So I wouldn't I can see if someone has some sensitivity, but even even if it comes up and there's it doesn't show sensitivity um, The but poten- p- potential for sensitivity is still there So I'll just say that we can there are some really beautiful Targeted panels where we can look at you know food sensitivities food sensitivities, but specifically gluten there are You know we can be sensitive or reactive to many of the different component components of wheat or of barley right these these gluten we call gluten gluten is a very it's a it's sort of what we call everything at this point but there are lots and lots of gliadins and non gluten proteins and things like this that we have the potential to be sensitive to we may not actually be sensitive to gluten we could be sensitive to some of the non gluten proteins so it's, it's amazing to be able to have this type of strategic approach to understanding the body because that's really what it is. It's, it's being strategic and looking as deep as you possibly can to, um, to, to understand why the body is not working the way that we want it to work, right? And why there's stress and why maybe we're not conceiving and why um, you know, maybe our egg quality is not where we want it to be. Our sperm quality is not where we want it to be. So much of this has to do with lifestyle. So, um, what else, Uh, I I think those are pretty good basics as far as the GI is concerned, Um, but I'll tell you that I run a GI panel on every single client that comes through my door, for real, um, because it gives me that much information. Um, Another one that I'll run on everyone is gonna be, I I, I talked a little bit about this in the beginning, but it's a comprehensive metabolic panel and the CBC. Um, what I tend to see if somebody brings me their comprehensive metabolic panel or CMP that they did through their 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 you know GP their general practitioner their doctor oftentimes it's pretty minimal and especially when we're looking at fertility but really anytime we want to look as deep at the inflammatory markers as we can we want to look at all of the thyroid markers what I see um, this goes, you know, this will go into, will just take us into autoimmunity, uh, might as well. We talked a little bit about it already, but um, Hashimoto's is the number one autoimmune condition of women. Hashimoto's is a, an a, a autoimmune thyroid condition. Understand this, Hashimoto's being an autoimmune condition is not a thyroid condition. It's an immune condition, it's an immune dysfunction. So what often happens is someone's diagnosed with um, Hashimoto's, they get put on thyroid meds. That might help for a little while, but it's not addressing the problem, it's not addressing the immune dysfunction. So, you know, even as of yesterday, I was talking with a client who had, she was testing her thyroid, so her thyroid numbers were tanked, like they were really, really low, which means hyper, right, it's, it's, a, it's overactive. Now, if the numbers are higher, it means it's underactive, right? So what, would, what they found in her labs over a period of, uh, of a few months as they tested, I think they tested four different times, she and her doctor, um, it went from super low to, to quite high, which can be indicative of a Hashimoto's flare. But if you don't test antibodies, you don't know if there's Hashimoto's. Now, be very clear that I don't diagnose, right? If something comes up in labs for me, that is showing potential for, di- for for Hashimoto's, I say, this is what you know your potential is, I need you to now go see your doctor, right? I'm not a doctor, but I do understand labs pretty well. And so we have to look at the thyroid fully because the thyroid, even if there's not a situation of Hashimoto's, uh, if there are no antibodies, the thyroid is impacted by the pituitary gland. So we've got the pituitary gland, which, which impacts the thyroid. The thyroid then impacts the gut, the liver. We have thyroid receptor uh, uh, sites on all cells of, of, of our body, everywhere. And so it impacts everything. Our thyroid impacts everything. And so we need to not just look at TSH or just look at T4 or free T4 or free T3, right? we have to look at all of the, 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 the hormones in the pathway so we have a full, clear understanding of what is going on with the thyroid, if, it th- if it's a thyroid issue, if it's a secondary thyroid issue due to uh, a primary pituitary, um, or what else is going on. And so most of our, our CMPs that are run only look at TSH they only look at you know maybe T4 right or maybe T3 there are just a couple of these that are run when really we have to have the entire picture um, let's talk a little bit about when I'm you know when I'm looking at a comprehensive metabolic panel um, what I you know I'm looking so so you have it run and you see your lab ranges right they are very general lab ranges and what's interesting too Is the lab ranges can vary from lab to lab don't ask me why it's very confusing and very frustrating that's not usually a big variation but it can be a variation lab ranges are also built on the general population they're not built on on us being optimized or optimal right there it's very general so the ranges are very general but they're 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 useful, right? They're really useful. They can help us to understand if something is truly pathogenic. There's truly really a problem problem that's going on. Um, when we're looking though at functional ranges of a comprehensive metabolic panel, typically their ranges are a little more narrow, um, and so what that does is it raises more red flags. And I call them red flags because they're not truly pathogenic necessarily, but they are. Um, they're little red flags that come up, and we can start putting pieces of the puzzle together, and that's uh, that helps us to to see more earlier on and to understand more about the body how it's functioning earlier than when things are are you know out of lab range and we're like holy smokes I gotta you know this is now emergent or has become a problem when we could have could have addressed it earlier than that so. Um, there are markers in the comprehensive metabolic panel that I run that aren't always run um, That I think should always be run. One of those is homocysteine well, Homocysteine can play a major role in fertility um, And usually when we see when I've seen homocysteine run by the You know the our conventional medical world. It's usually done by the cardiologist. Why? Because it's a cardio uh, a card a, a, a It's a cardiovascular inflammatory marker. It's also a cognitive inflammatory marker. It's also a marker that if it's elevated is gonna impact fertility. Um, And we don't see homocysteine a a lot. Um, And I I run it on every person, and I'm gonna tell you that I see it elevated, I don't know, 75% of the time? 60% of the time? Not really sure, but I see it elevated a lot, and it, it's it's a problem. It also though is not a difficult uh, a difficult marker to bring into uh, where it, into into normal range. Usually homocysteine is elevated due to B twelve, folate, magnesium. Uh, I, you know there are a few of these nutrients, and so when we're talking earlier about methylation, homocysteine plays a role, or it, it, the homocysteine is in the methylation cycle essentially. And so there are nutrients that help to push homocysteine, so it actually will continue to go down the, the proper pathway instead of staying up here and staying elevated. So um, most of the time, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to address it. But we gotta know, we gotta know that it's there and that, it's a, that if it's a problem or, or not, problem or not. And so there are these, there are these markers that, that, that aren't always checked that should be checked c C-reactive protein. CRP is another one um, that we see mostly checked uh, in the cardiovascular world, which is great, but should be checked all the time. It's more of a marker of of systemic inflammation. It's systemic uh, cardiovascular inflammation, but it is going to tell us if there is inflammation. And it's inflammation that's the problem when it comes to cardiovascular health, when it comes to diabetes, when it comes to any of the conditions that we, we deal with Inflammation is primary, but we have to understand why we're inflamed. Something is causing the inflammation. Remember, always ask why, right? Something deeper is going on. Um, there was something that I was going to say when it comes to autoimmune disease, that's what it was, is there is a really cool panel <clears throat> that is an autoimmune panel. It is not a diagnostic panel. Um, I will say again that I don't diagnose, right? Um, and this autoimmune panel is not a diagnostic panel, but it can detect, it can detect antibody activity, I don't know, if it's, I think it's 10 or 12 or 15 years prior to actually um, a, a, an autoimmune condition becoming a problem. So, you know, when we have these autoimmune conditions such as Hashimoto, such as lupus, such as, if you don't know what autoimmune condition is, it's where um, the immune system goes haywire, and starts to attack our own tissues, <clears throat> and so obviously this is a problem. Um, but when, um, but if we are able to detect these these conditions, these detect the potential earlier, then maybe it doesn't actually ever express, right? So this is a really amazing way to understand the body, um, understand. What, what your potential is outside of, you know, looking at your, you know, nutrigenomics or something like that, um, but can help understand there's antibody activity, we need to address this immediately so it doesn't actually become an autoimmune condition. Um, <clears throat> it is, uh, again, I just go back to how amazing and beautiful it is that we have access to these functional labs that dig deep and amazingly smart scientists out there who put these labs together that we don't typically see uh, in mainstream. Um, I don't know why, because it would sure be helpful. But you know, mainstream often is there to address symptoms when we're here to address root cause. Um, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Um, other things that we can look at that can be can play a key role in in health period, but in, um, in, in fertility, in preconception care, preconception planning, is looking at the toxic load that you might be dealing with. We all deal with some kind of toxic load. Um, some of us, due to epigenetic variants, excuse me, don't deal as well as others. So if we're looking at something like, um, say, mycotoxin exposure, So we can have mycotoxin exposure, so it's mold, right? We can have mycotoxin exposure through food, grains, fruits, vegetables, you know, grains, you think about grains sitting in these silos forever. I mean, it's a huge problem, but uh, they tend to be really high in mycotoxins. Um, But uh, fruits like apples that are stored for, you know, however long, you know, it can be an apple juice that's, um, you know, made from uh, moldy apples. So we can have this exposure, and some of us have these variants that don't allow us to detoxify these, this exposure very well. And so it, it, it creates more of a burden and we don't deal with it well. So, you know, I have a number of people who are in my world, whether they're practitioners or clients, who are dealing with mycotoxin exposure and it, can, it has the potential of taking such a long time. To eliminate it because it's not something that just goes away it will sit and just kind of festers what comes to me it's not really the best word but you know it will proliferate Um, and so mycotoxin exposure is a problem even in dry climates i'm in colorado we have a pretty dry climate here and we have lots of people who are dealing with mycotoxin exposures um, and mycotoxin toxicity so, <clears throat> so, being aware of that, um, you can test your home, you can test your, think about where you work if you're working outside of the home. Um, you know, that can, that can happen a lot in these old buildings, right, um, but we can also look at environmental factors. So we have um, glyphosate, which most of us probably have heard of at this point. If you, if you don't know glyphosate, then you certainly know Roundup, and these, pesticides and herbicides, uh, glyphosate is an herbicide, but we have both the pesticides and the herbicides that are on our food, that are in our environment, that can sit in the body, and we and and may not be able to detoxify it properly. Interestingly, I was at a conference, no, it was, it was not a conference, it was more of a weekend seminar, I guess, but it was all on epigenetics, um, which is a lot of it's way over my head. It's amazing stuff. But somebody made the point. So this is not backed by science. It's not backed by evidence, right? <laughs> but it was an, an interesting point that I like to point out because um, I, I think it, it can, I like to pay attention to this in practice when I'm working with people um, as well as when I'm listening to people when they talk. But there are epigenetic, epigenetic variants that don't allow us to, um, to detoxify pesticides and herbicides well. And so they tend to build up more and so they create more of a problem for more people or for some people, right? Some people don't deal with it as well as others. Interestingly though, when we were looking at things like nightshades, so nightshades are vegetables that, they, they naturally have a protective pesticide in them um, and can be maybe considered anti-nutrients. They're considered, you know, can be considered toxic. Some people uh, react to them, some people don't. If you have an autoimmune condition, you probably should not um, eat nightshades. But they're peppers and tomatoes and potatoes, eggplants, um, those are sort of your basic nightshades. So that's a, a lot of food, right? This pesticide, this natural pesticide that's in these vegetables um, have, it could be if if some people don't deal with them very well and a lot of people don't autoimmune disease or otherwise um, it could be because of these genetic variants that don't allow for the proper detoxification of pesticides and herbicides how cool is that so don't know that's fact but it's an interesting point uh, that was brought up at, at this, uh, this, this seminar that I was in so uh, pretty cool stuff anyway um, so beyond that, there are also heavy metals. So the, a lot of the toxicants that we deal with also are heavy metals. When I was talking earlier about metalloestrogens, I'm talking about heavy metals that can that can play a role in endocrine disruption, um, in looking like estrogens and being estrogen mimickers, right? And so um, you know these these heavy metals can create a problem. So I was talking to someone yesterday about uh, um, mercury. And so there are some people with these epigenetic variants that don't allow for the proper detoxification of mercury, which can play a role in Alzheimer's disease. And so, um, you know, we have, I mean, there are lots and lots of uh, toxic metals out there, but that's just one of them, you know, there's mercury and there's, uh, 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 I don't even know, cadmium, you know, <laughs> you name it, there's some pretty nasty ones out there. Um, and they're in a lot of the, the, the um, toxins that are in our environment that are put in our, you know, fire retardants that are put on our furniture, right, and in our beds, and in our kids' clothes, um, in cribs, I mean, these, these are, it's, 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 it breaks my heart, these things, you know, they, these fire retardants, I understand the reason why they were put in stuff in the first place, but it's like you're, 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 you're covering up a problem, you know, with things catching on fire, great, with a a consistent or a constant toxic exposure of these fire retardants, um, think about the you know the, the stuff that's on our our toys for kids, our toys for our dogs, right? That are that they put in their mouth all the time. If you have dogs, don't just go get any stuffed animal. I always look for one the ones that are made of natural fibers that are not made in China. Um, because this is another toxic uh, exposure for our dogs for our pets stuffed animals clothes rugs I mean again it goes back to how it's so difficult to avoid everything but having the awareness as you move forward can help to uh, help you make the choices that are best for you and your family um, as you know from today on right This is why I do this show <laughs> so we can we can be educated and have the ability to, to dig deeper I don't ever expect you just to listen to me but I do expect that if I say something that either you need to dig into deeper or that even you question which is great question me dig deeper into it be educated you're accountable for your health um, and 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 take that so then you can make dis- make the decisions based on the knowledge that you have We're not all perfect we're not all, all going to make the best decisions right um, is, I say that a lot when it comes to our food uh, and, and our you know the, our diets you know I don't always make the perfect decision with what I put into my mouth but I'm educated enough to know when I'm not making the right decision and what's gonna happen if I don't make the right decision and that's okay that's the power that I have and that's the accountability that I have on myself. Um, And that's how we all should be so um, knowledge is power knowledge is amazing knowledge is beautiful knowledge can be hard Um, But um, the more knowledge we have the better we the better decisions that we can make So I'm over my time Um, This was really fun for me because I could just keep talking about this stuff forever and ever (laughs) and and Enjoy the heck out of it but uh, we'll talk more about this. I think, I think digging into labs and what they can do for us, are um, it's really fascinating. It is for me, um, and maybe uh, not so much from, for you, but, having, but knowing, knowing that they're out there is really what's important for me. You don't have to know all the details. That's what I like, right? Um, but knowing that you have the, the options of digging deeper into what's going on it, uh, with your health is um it's it's the key to to bringing health back if if you feel like it's not where it should be right <clears throat> so with that said of course find me at tastelifenutrition.com um you can uh, fill out a free assessment online actually i'm saying that and it's gone so uh it'll be back i have to do that today something happened to it and so that free assessment is not there so it's really frustrating i'm not sure what happened but It will be there. Um, If you don't see it today, then you'll find it um, soon because I'm gonna have it put back. My website company (laughs) needs to get it back on there. Anyway, I just discovered that yesterday. So, but usually I have a free assessment where I reach out to you personally and we chat about uh, whatever's going on with you and see if I might be able to help or if I know somebody who might be able to help. Uh, That's the great thing about what I do is I have a lot of really cool people who do really cool stuff who might be able to help you more than I can. also, would love for you to share soulful conception, uh, or or talk to me about it, uh, learn about it, understand what it is, what it's about. It really is about creating a healthy pregnancy, a healthy baby, a healthy body, and a healthy future. We have so much control over the future of health, and um, I think it's understanding. It w- it's 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 imperative that we understand the amount of power that we have. It's really beautiful. Um, And then, of course, we're always streaming live here at KUHSDenver.com. You'll find us here, then you'll find us as the Taste Life Life Nutrition Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, and, of course, on YouTube. Um, And working on getting everything on Rumble as well. Digging Rumble. So, uh, thank you. See you next week. Uh, We will have a guest next week. I should probably know who it is, but I don't. So, (laughs) we'll see you next week with... One of the amazing guests who's going to join us. And we'll see you. Uh, I hope you all have an amazing day and an amazing weekend. See you later.